0: just because we're alive in this minute and this is the moment we're in, are we more real (laughs) than we were before or more authentic? Mm. You know, are we the... Is it just whoever you are now is who you are? Or are the before yous more you?
1: It's my pleasure to announce that Getting Better Acquainted won the Bronze Award at the British Podcast Awards last Saturday in the category of Best Interview Show. So, by that metric... This show is the third best interview show in Britain. Although I don't really hold much stock in hierarchies and competitions and awards and things like that. So I don't personally think of myself in that way. But if you're inclined to think of me in that way that would be good for me. So why not? And it's always good to get some external validation, particularly for those of us desperate for validation. And it definitely looks much better in emails and CVs and things like that to say award winning rather than award nominated. And hopefully that will be something that will be useful to this show and to me in the future i'd like to take this opportunity to thank you all for listening really this show would not be a show if it didn't have you listening to it it would just be a thing that i did for myself that nobody listened to so thank you everybody for listening and making this show happen. And also thanks to all of the guests that I've had over the last six years of doing this show. If people weren't prepared to open up to me, to talk to me about their lives, their experiences, their opinions, their feelings, their thoughts, then this show would not exist. And regardless of any awards that it wins or doesn't win, this show has personally changed my life I'm a completely different person now than I am in the first episodes that you can hear of this show in fact in many ways this show has been a document of me changing and sure six years I would have changed anyway but I changed in specific ways because of this show this show has become intertwined with who I am and that's been in most ways I think a really positive thing for me. Talking of personal growth, as mentioned in this conversation, I went for a, a meeting with a therapist from the NHS. This time, I guess it went more positively than I felt it's gone in the past. He was supposed to give me an assessment in an hour, but at the end of the hour of talking to him, he was like, I want to see you again. So I'm going back for a second assessment. And so maybe something good will come with that. And regardless of whether I managed to get therapy or not, one of the most therapeutic things that you can do is to listen to people and to tell your story. And this show has allowed me to do both of those things. This conversation contains some discussion of mental health issues and bullying.
0: She took my inner child from what she was, like the adult vigilante who stood with me next to me in all those situations yeah. I thought it was totally amazing it felt like it unlocked something for me, more than that it was like having a, a missing bit of equipment a small bit, yeah. but it was essential to kind of change my perspective on everything Hello,
1: I'm Dave I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together I need to
0: get better
1: please make me better I want to get better 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 equated Today we're getting better acquainted with Charmian. Hello, Charmian. Hello, Dave. Actually, I should say, I keep forgetting to do this when it's kind of people who want their names out there, but it's, it's Charmian Hughes, right? It
0: is Charmian Hughes. It's important
1: yeah. for performers to yeah. have their full name, uh, whereas often people who are not performers don't want their full name on. And
0: also my name's quite hard to pronounce. Right. Well, even when people think that they're pronouncing it right and they're about to pronounce it right, they kind of lose faith in the pronunciation and they say something else.
1: Right. It definitely is one of those names. I. I've got the uh, advantage to some people. I've, I've introduced you before, uh, so I've learned your name. And you've had the same. Play. Play. Right, right. Antony right.
0: Cleopatra. Right,
1: there. right. That, yeah. Right, yeah, that too. But I can see how it's, you know, when you've got an unusual name, mm. that becomes a thing.
0: Yeah, for, yeah.
1: Forever, I guess. Yep. The first question that I ask everybody is how do
0: you know me? Um, I know you through the Banshee Labyrinth in Edinburgh, I think, that we've shared a venue for many years. Is that how you think I know you? Yeah, that's yeah, how I, I think. think I know you. And my, my big <laughs> image that I have of you is sitting on the pavement outside the Banshee Labyrinth between shows when you've been doing more than one.
1: Yeah, I think you took, did you take a picture Someone there was a picture of me oh. doing that that kind of feels quite iconic of my experience in Edinburgh mm. for sure sitting on the pavement yes. outside
0: the uh, venue, yeah. And your stand-up tragedy and I think I did a little bit one year at you your did. stand-up tragedy.
1: You did, yeah you did, uh, you did a bit with us um, and we were in the Banshee Labyrinth uh, for two years in a yep. row and, so, and you were there both of those years Yeah, yep. and you get to know people as well like in, in Edinburgh, like you say, because you stand Outside the front, flyering yeah. and you kind of all put your posters up together, and yeah. you kind of, and it's always a bit of kind of confusing. You know, of people from like posters or from like you know uh, elsewhere, and then they're sort of saying, "Have you got any blue tack?" And that's that's <laughs> a kind of like brings things like it's, it's a, a great leveler, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. It's nice in, the, in this life, every everything seems not a leveler, particularly in the arts. Actually, yeah. so it's nice to have a little bit of camaraderie occasionally, and then go back to being jealous and and, and worrying about each other. When we met you the first time around, I think you were doing Raj Rage. That was
0: like a a storytelling show. That's right, yeah. um, That was all based on... I had three true stories that I told kind of at the same time in parallel with each other, and one was kind of in the present and one was in the near past and one in way historically past.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, and you were going back through your own... I'm just turning my phone to... to. Yeah. to uh, yeah, I think somebody's getting a text message. I put my phone on aeroplane, but I should. that gives me a good opportunity to say to sound fans mm. uh, that we're in the Royal Festival Hall. Yeah. Uh, we've got the singing lift nearby. It, I think it's singing again. It, was, it had a period of time when the singing lift wasn't singing, which oh. is very sad, but, but it's oh singing again. Here it comes... Is it going to stop here though to demonstrate for can us no it 's just gone past um, i can 't know no i can 't either. but when the door's open we 'll hear it yeah like when it like, when it stops here, it will say level four or whatever it is. Um, so that 's why we 've got some backgrounds and we 're behind the lifts, so this is quite a good spot for the sound not being too disturbed by other people yeah and hopefully we won't disturb other people i always feel like uh pleased to be interviewing someone in a a public space because it's great to have public spaces Mm. but also aware that other people are trying to work and all that stuff
0: but it's fantastic they're doing that yeah exactly i've ever been here at a time you know i've either been here to see something so i've never seen it being used in this capacity full of earnest people
1: right yeah people having meetings and yeah. people doing work and all sorts of things that is a nice thing about it there are very few free public spaces, mm. I think, uh, where you can just come and do what you want, and that is something I, I really like about the Royal Festival, um, even if sometimes it's hard to find a quiet spot. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you were doing Ranch Rage, which was storytelling about your, your family background and you yeah. were investigating your past, right? Yeah. Um, and so I kind of guess, you, and you did some parts of that with us on st- uh, Stand Up Tragedy, and I didn't see your show that year, weirdly, uh-huh. I saw it the
0: year after Yeah. That. Um, the one the year after was definitely a stand-up show. Yeah, Doing was storytelling was quite a new thing for right. me. Of how to kind of pitch it and how to tell a story, actually. Right. And keep people interested. Right. Um, so I was just learning to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's sort of the, next, the next show I saw of yours was, like you say, stand-up. Yeah. But there was still a storytelling element, yeah. I think. Because you were telling the story of your... Pathway through the comedy industry, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. Yes, that's right. And it was, and that was, I, I thought, I, I was delighted by that. Oh, great. I liked it. I liked to, to to hear from the perspective of somebody that you don't hear from. That's what it was. Was nice about mm. it. You know, you've known lots of names, if you like. Yeah. But you've known them from a very kind of off-kilter angle which was del- you know a delight to hear and it's, it's funny I book a lot of comedians I do like comedy but mm. at the same time sometimes I can say like I don't like comedy yeah. because what, I like things to be about something and if they're about something and they're funny that's great yeah. um, but then I'm, I'm not sort of a, a kind of one-liner gag kind of guy uh, and you're not that kind of a comedian oh. so that's a perfect combination yeah. The second question I ask everybody, which I guess we've already started to answer, but you might have a different answer, Mm -hmm. is what do you
0: do now? Um, Well, I write and perform comedy shows (laughs) that are usually based on true things, and in a way, it's I mean, I always thought I'd be a novelist. I always imagined myself as a journalist or a novelist. And I still kind of beat myself up about that a bit. I think, oh, where's my novel? Where's my novel? <laughs> and then I have to remember, actually, I've been creating a new show every year, and that is my novel. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose.
1: Well, yeah. Well, you, well, you, can, you can also take all those shows and put them yeah. together at the end of it, and you pretty much have
0: got a novel, and more all, than one. And then that makes all. me think the novels are far too long. <laughs> because this show is an hour. Right. And um, you should be able to say everything in that. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Abs- well, I, kn- I kind of know what you mean. Wow. It's definitely nice yeah, to have... Well, we've got some, some people uh, working out where they are, which yeah. is one of the main things people are trying to do in this world. So, why not have a bit of that in the background? Mm. Um, we're right in front of the bit that tells people where they are in the Royal Festival Hall. So, I guess we might have a few people yeah. kind of coming up behind you. Um, which is, yeah, because we're in a weird position as well, I should say, because you've got your back to kind of where people will walk by, whereas I'll see them. Um, so, so, they're probably yes.
0: thinking to be somebody quite famous and well, they want to have a little peek.
1: Well, they do think that. Because you've
0: got your earphones. All you need is yeah.
1: All you need. I've discovered this. All you need to be trusted by someone mm. is a microphone in your hand. It doesn't yeah. even have to look very good and some headphones. And people assume you're from the BBC. Yeah. They literally, like in the street, people will assume I'm in the BBC just because. I, I, you know, I, I would urge people to 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 be a bit more, um, be a bit more suspicious of people with microphones in the street. Is what I would say. I used you to know. do a
0: clown thing actually called the. I used to one of the first things I did in performance. I co-founded a clown troop called frantic antics and we used to have a thing called the frantic film crew and we got booked for lots of children's parties and events and we just went around being a film crew we had to do very little we just got them <laughs> to do everything and it was exactly that thing You we were given all this authority because you're we carrying a broom handle with like a fluffy thing on the end right. like a boom right 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 people just will respond to the, si- the yeah. signals yep. the
1: signs and that's interesting, yeah, because you, uh, you, you studied kind of clowning, didn't you? Did yeah. you
0: Philip Golier? Oh, I did Philip Golier for about a week at Goldsmiths. <laughs> uh, it was really expensive. Well, and, a week's uh, enough
1: to stick on your CV, yeah. no questions asked. Oh, completely. Asked. But,
0: and every time it was my turn to get up, to have a go, he just go, mad. next. <laughs> And um, I didn't really like him very much, I have to say. Fair I don't enough. I to say that. Well, no. The secret mean, clown.
1: That's all right. That's good. I like the show to represent all sorts of p- perspectives. And yeah. there's been um, enough guests who uh, have been uh, on, uh, like, have been praise- praising yeah. Philippe Gurlier. It's um, good to get a, a, a second opinion. I don't know. I've never well, heard pre-
0: of He kind of. He liberated the clown in lots of very successful people. Right. I like lots of the clowning I've done with some of his students, like Mick Barnfather and everything. That's been totally brilliant. Right. and you studied, So you started comedy as a clown? Yeah, I went to the City Lit. Do you know City Lit? A fantastic adult education place in Hoban. Um, and I, I had a job in advertising, and I just started going to the City Lit just to meet new people, right. clowning and juggling. Right, and so you have been working in advertising
1: for quite a while. About I've three thought... years. Right, OK, three years. Yeah. And what, what, what had your life been before
0: that? Uh, well, I went to university. I, grad- I did a degree in English. Um, when I left, I got a, what I thought was a temporary job. I ended up with for ages which was being a visa expediter or messenger. Oh wow. Um, I spent a lot of time down the Libyan embassy. Right. Getting visas. Right. And dealing with very difficult other difficult oh, difficult because they were in a they wanted they wanted Americans to go there and dig oil, but politically they were opposed. Right. So um, Actually, it was a much more interesting time than I understood at the time because I was working for an American engineering company and then having to go to these embassies who were so conflicted. Right. What they had to do is they had to have a whole show up, make it really, really <coughs> difficult to like, get a visa, but then would we'll give you one at the last minute. So we had to kind of play this game. Wow, it's good, good preparation yeah. for, for, for comedy and performance if you have to, like, kind of perform yeah. the,
1: perform the kind of that all the way through. And actually, I remember... Relatively recently, because we're, you know, we're, we're Facebook friends as yeah, well. It's yeah. another way we know each other. And I remember because I was sort of talking about sort of struggling to make money as a freelancer, or and I think you you mentioned that you did that and sort of said, "Well, we'll do a weird, weird, weird yeah. job that gets you out of the house yes. to pay the bills to yeah. do, do that for a day job." And I, and, and, I'm still f- mulling that advice over. I think it's good advice. I don't know if it's going to be right the right moment for yeah. me to take it. But it's it good. gives you
0: the space to kind of think and just be free. Um, at the time, I was because I just left university. I was so worried about what everybody would be thinking, about being judged as right. not having a proper job, that I didn't understand this amazing kind of opportunity i had been given. Right. With a playful, I mean, it was the, the thing we could get to the Saudi Arabian, Libyan embassy, or the Emirates. There was it was just a game we played. It was kind of like a, a beautiful dance between <laughs> the people behind the counter and me. And we all knew we were doing it, and we enjoyed ourselves. Right. We could sort of get all kind of uppity or you know confrontational did it? and we all knew it was all completely fine I mean, it was kind end, of like improv, things, uh, right? it, it, well, yeah, it was lovely <laughs> and um, I just had this huge chip on my shoulder but I think, oh God! You know, what should be proving. That, you know, where's my novel? Where's my novel? Right. <laughs> so you
1: studied. So you studied English because you wanted to be a novelist.
0: Or oh, going to journalism. And right, I just loved. Right. You know, i just. I was good at it, and I wasn't very good at other subjects. I didn't have any other subjects I was good at.
1: Right. I mean, actually, like speaking of Facebook, I think you were you were sharing some of oh. your school yeah. uh, reports on Facebook t- today. Like, I guess it came up in memories. It came
0: up in memories, and before I think I shared it laughing. and I looked at it this time. And well, I thought, that's just so sad, because it was very full of kind of trying hard and being cheerful. And surely that's enough. Right. Surely that's enough for a human being to be doing and I think that's fantastic in my school book, that I was trying hard and I was cheerful. And the fact that I was really crap at it was... You Know they should have just let that go, but I think that's right because I
1: think that those are valuable qualities in people. And one oh. of the things I think is, where's you know, kind, kindness isn't oh. valued, whereas beauty is.
0: Well, yeah, one of the te- one of those reports said, um, she's cheerful in class, but that's not enough for success. Well, I think it is, right? Well, and where is right. she now? Yeah, dead. Right. <laughs>
1: Right. So, okay. So you and so you, you and what kind of a school did you go to? Where you to? I went adults? to lots of
0: schools because right. my father was in the army and my parents separated. And I had this added complication that my parents. This is very complicated. My parents right. were both widowed when they met each other and had children. Um, my mother's husband had been killed in the Korean War. and My father's first wife had been killed in a a freak accident in Libya when they were coming back from after the war because he was in the army. So they had children, they married each other. My father was Roman Catholic, not particularly practising, but in order to get married in a church, my mother promised to bring up any children as a Catholic. So she took her promise very seriously. They then divorced. I hardly ever saw him again until I had to find him when I was 15. So my mother sent me off to all these convents. All my brothers and sisters, her other children, were educated completely separately To kind of drama and dance stage school. Ha! Where are they now? (laughs) And um, I went to a series of. The one that did the school report was a really quite unpleasant convent in Kensington. You had that vibe. And then I went to. (laughs) I asked to go to boarding school when I was 13. And I went to this little school that was full of. um, had a lot of. it had managed to hoodwink lots of. kind of world dictators into sending their children to the school wow. um, and also rather ordinary but it was very ordinary I mean yeah it was a private convent convent schools are very different from other things in the private sector because a lot of people who wouldn't normally send their children to independent education in those days would do anything to get the child into a Catholic school um, so it was actually rather sweet and I made kind of really good friends who are still my good friends and I did lot I was in remedial maths Remedial. They gave me the time that I needed to catch up with things because I, my curriculum kept changing every time I changed school. You know, I'd come right. into a school, I was the new girl, everyone was horrible to me. Right. Um, and I, I had high anxiety as a result. Right. But you were good at writing? Yeah, I was very... Yeah, I wrote. Yeah, I wrote. I mean, it's a strange... I mean, this school is a strange
1: thing to me. I, I find it very confusing because... It just seems like people have talents and they should be nurtured, yeah. and so often they're not, and they're just yeah. they make to feel like worthless for not having talents in things that they're not not got a natural
0: aptitude for. Whereas, yeah, yeah. it's I mean, a strange this school, thing. W- although it was quite boring, um, and it was very boring by the time I was sixteen, it did actually nurture things like that. you'd get badges for being pleasant. You get a courtesy badge, <laughs> and that's just being nice and kind to right. other people. And had things like if somebody. You know, teacher would say, you know, who was talking? And somebody put the hand up, and then somebody else said, I was too. <laughs> you know, we, we were all kind of incredibly noble. Right. Um, but I left when I was 16, then I went to a boys' public school to do my A-levels, and that was just something else. <laughs> you know, I feel like I was an insider there into the whole who runs the country, really. Right. And yet yeah. I was still an outsider, although I was middle class. My mother was quite affluent. I was still very much an outsider, because I'd come in at the last minute, age 16, with my bouncy personality and um just so yeah was, that was very interesting well yeah
1: i don't think women with ba- bouncy personalities get power do they? That's, <laughs> they, they don't get put in charge of the world if, if a we woman gets yeah. in charge they're not they haven't got a bouncy personality but in, i think if in, you're doing so comedy far. in
0: a way you've got more power than anyone else that's very true too and also you you've evidently taken more risk than any of them i feel, I've, it's almost like when I was going through the street as a messenger I think I hope I don't run into anybody from school they're going to go what do you do and I'm going to go oh I'm a messenger or visa expedite or whatever I was calling myself but now if I say I'm a comedian it doesn't matter at what level or how successful or the fact that I am that's got more balls than anything any of them have done right. more creativity so.
1: Right, and and also your your school reports would suggest that you were going to become a comedian <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it sounds like all ins- oh, good things, right?
0: Disruptor. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> right. I can't see. Yeah, I mean, they sound like you know you, the, the words "class clown" might have been applied yeah. to oh, you. Right? I had a
0: Latin report that Charmy not as funny as she thinks she is. Yeah, but I was. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Your first experience with the critics Yeah yeah.
0: My first review Right, right, right
1: (laughs) But you didn't go into comedy early No
0: In my family, because my sister Well, I have two One one of my sisters sadly died a couple of years ago But that was very good They were each other's stepsisters They were children of each parent Right You know, they were half I get you, I I have a
1: similar family complexity Oh, do you? Complexity, yes
0: Are you the only child? No, to no,
1: about? I'm not, but I've, but I've definitely got my, my older sisters, who I call sisters, are yeah. half-sisters, yeah. and my younger sister is uh, oh, a half-sister, wow. and there's all sorts of... And my brother's a full-brother. It's very complicated. Yeah. Yeah, well, I feel like you have to do diagrams for people oh, to understand complete, nobody it. nobody understands right. it.
0: But my sister, <laughs> who went... I mean, they both went to drama. They went to the arts educational, entering from about the age of eight. Uh, but one of my sisters, she's she a very good ballet dancer, everything. We moved to London to further, you know, so she could study ballet. And all the family uh, interest and enthusiasm was diverted into that. Right. And so it never occurred to me that I wanted to do anything like that because that was taken, so I was going to be a writer. Right. So I went into advertising... Um, I got a job in advertising and I thought that would sort of nurture me while I wrote my novel. But yeah. actually, it sort of killed all my desire to write. Because <laughs> um, you were writing in the day for yeah, a living. Oh, God, I wrote brilliant things. I like is going local, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Camden Cares, right. that's me. Come and Be a Nurse in Saudi Arabia, that's right. me. Right, right, right. Um, but I, I was wandering down Tottenham Court Road at a lunch and I'm thinking, God, you know, this isn't the creative world that I imagine, and the other people in advertising, they weren't all bohemian people. They thought I was really weird, you know, with my weird trousers and everything. uh, (laughs) I thought they'd think I was funky, but they didn't. They were quite square. And I ran into a guy I'd been at university with called Chris, and he was now a clown, and he told me all about it, and city lit, and it was brilliant. They lived in a squat in Bollington Square, and it sounded a lot more fun. So um, I started just going to classes, and I thought, well, I'll go into arts administration or something. And then I ended up just becoming a clown. OK, so... Enterprise when, allowance scheme. Right. Yeah. And when, when you, what was being a clown like initially? The things we did in clown school... We did... Pierre Hollands, who's a really brilliant stand-up comic, he was a clown then, he was one of the tutors, did a thing about how to hold the attention of an audience while someone else is on stage. You'd be competing for the attention of the other members of the class and soon found that actually stillness and doing as little as possible got the attention, it was people waving their arms around didn't. We did clown shows that had a, actually had a narrative. We had um, Dr Watt and the parking wardens from outer space <laughs> and um, the treasures of Tootin Car Park. There was quite a theme going there. Right. And that's yeah. kind of, they sound like a, ensemble pieces, right? They were, yeah, there were five of us. And we had. it was just when, in mean, days of Mrs Thatcher, when the GLC were by... Their way of opposing Thatcher was to spend as lot, much money on entertainment as possible, so it's very well-funded. We used to do things on the South Bank, very close to where we are here, many festivals, Riverside Studios, Bathsy Arts Centre, there was a lot of Saturday morning children's theatre.
1: Right.
0: A lot of work. Right. Even though we were so inexperienced. And, and,
1: and so you were in that en- ensemble, why did you choose to go solo? Um...
0: Well, we began to change personnel as (laughs) as loyalties kind of change. Right. Um, And I found that, um, well, first of all, I saw some stand-up comedy Mm -hmm. or I saw somebody just talking, that show was just talking, and I thought, I'd like to do that for adults. I'd much rather do that. I could do that. And on the other hand, I found that I hated carrying around loads of props and the preparation and getting there early and warming up and also having to... Not so much carry other people, but you know, if somebody was off, it could just poison the whole thing, or just. Get, I, I find it really hard to take responsibility for other people right. who had their own things going on right. in their head. Right. And, you know, I was sort of felt that, that me, I don't know, actually, quite a few of the others, we would sort of knuckled down and dirt do it. But there there's so many drama queens. And I thought, I well, just the only way of not working with them is to say, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> it's just too nice to, to say, you know, you're really misbehaving. Right, yeah,
1: I find that that's, 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 I find that is a kind of quality in myself that if people aren't pulling their weight, I will enlarge to fill their spaces yeah, yep, rather, yep. Than, uh, rather than yeah. say, no, you should yeah. pull your weight. I'm not very good at that. I'm better myself. at it
0: now. And I've done lots of um, working with one other person that's been incredibly creative. Mm. And then i found that um, either a fear of failure or a fear of success is completely kind of transit And I think I put all my energy into that. Because I think if you, if you create something, you need to get it out there. You right. can't kind of go, I can't wait till this. It's got to be perfect. It's right. got to be perfect. On the one hand, you've got to do that. On the other hand, while acknowledging that something's a work in progress, you can't be all diva-like and demand hundreds of pounds Your first gigs in it. So, the different people I've worked for have been kind of aspects of that. Right. Wanting too much when it's really not ready, or never letting. The work go out into the open because it's not ready.
1: Right, I've had creative uh, partnerships yeah. like that. That second yeah. one very strongly. Yeah. It. It's like it, it, I think it's like there are artists who are more about the process, and there yeah. are artists who are more about the the product. Yeah. And I think I'm more on the product side, but I like the process. Yeah. But I I can't I can't see the point in the process unless there's the Absolutely. end. Absolutely.
0: Unless there's that end point. People, some people do anything. I know. I know. Yeah. Anything. To <laughs> not to let something happen. And, you know, I've done some of my best. Work with other people, and it kind of. I've, I've had to not let it break my heart I right. just think. That's how it is. They're not going to let it go. Right. Move
1: on. Yeah, I've yeah. I've had similar experiences to yeah. that. And the thing is, when you're when you do it like when you do it yourself, and you're the only person that the buck stops with, Absolutely. then you know if yeah. you let yourself down, then yeah, you, you, know, you you're annoyed with yourself. Yeah. But I much prefer to be annoyed with myself than with other people. Much
0: prefer because yeah. <laughs> you can you can learn you, yourself yeah. can learn from your own criticism. Right. And also,
1: other people have got their own reasons yeah. for yeah. wherever they're at, whatever their life is, and it's like I can't expect them to be different from that. So, I, I don't, but if I'm not working with them, then I don't care. <laughs> they can be I,
0: however they like. I was very kind of. I've had it. You know, not passive aggressive, but quite passive about it. But now, actually, both people I'm thinking of at the moment, who are lovely and very creative right. and successful in ways, when I've been approached again, they like, oh "God, do you remember how we were working on that? You know, we should look at it again." Both instances, I said no. You, we had our moment. We had a moment, and you didn't do anything with it, and I put a lot of work into it, especially I had small children at the time. Right. You know, I took time out, had to get someone to look after them, and that moment's gone. So, Right. You know, so you were gone.
1: starting comedy w- with young children? Mm, I started
0: comedy when I was about 20, dabbling, I mean, with the from the, the clowning when I was 27, and I suppose when I was about 30, I was doing stand-up. Proper stand up, and I was quite successful. You know, I was doing all the circuit, college circuit, did a bit of the Comedy Store, got booked for Jongleurs once. But at <laughs> least it was once. At least I was. I was in the programme. <laughs> you know, time out and everything. I mean, you know, paid and everything. I never want to do it again after that. I don't think they did either. Um, and then I met David, my husband, in my audience. Right, and, and then... Was um, he, like, one of the smallest audiences you yeah, had? Yeah, it was I just him and on a two on the right. people. He knew the the person who was running it. Um, and I was in my late 30s then, and so I didn't have children till I was 40. So just when I... So I had them at 40 and 41. I used to take them to gigs in a car seat or something. And at that point, <laughs> I realised when I, I was driving, I think, to Bristol in the Great Hurricane or something...
1: Oh, yeah. And, oh I, yeah.
0: and I thought, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And I think I rang the promotion. He said, got, You said you'd be here, don't turn back, you know, keep going. And, um, and when I got to the gig and I did it, I thought, I never have to do this again. I never have to do that to myself again. Because I kept thinking, My babies will be like motherless. <laughs> um, and I thought, I never have to put myself through that for a 100 quid again. Oh, yeah. And so I never have.
1: I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. On this, I mean, as someone who is a promoter, sometimes yeah. and uh, someone who books acts, uh, any act who is in a hurricane with yeah. two children can turn back happily. Well, the children I'll, co- I'll, I'll, I'll that was cover even worse Oh right, I mean, right. It, So it's yeah. just you. Yeah. Like uh, so, yeah. I can. I, that's a very reasonable reason, though, to turn back. I've, I've had loads of much less yeah. uh, valid reasons, and I've I've been yeah. supportive to those I, anyway.
0: I think I thought, <laughs> oh, if I get there, well, of course, you'll realise what this took me. Then he'd give me loads of gigs, and I don't think he ever booked me again. And I was brilliant. Well, I mean, I'm sure you were. Yeah. So I thought now I kind of, I think that kind of changed my sense of mortality. <laughs> and, and even now, if I'm going far away, up the, I wouldn't go out of the M25 for about 10 years, and I just think, you know, I have to stay the night, at least one night, <laughs> i have to have a right, rest. Right. Um, and so I then wow. found that I, so what I, continued to do comedy i didn 't ever stop, um, but I did a lot more comparing to just kind of tread water because I just didn 't want the hassle of having to come up with new stuff. Well, I was coming up with new stuff but without having to remember new stuff
1: right
0: within twenty minutes <laughs> right and I just you know felt a bit all over the place so so now I feel i 've been climbing back into a kind of new persona because also before. Then I see that that, that pre-children charmian was kind of you know I did you know, lots of knob jokes and stuff. And then when you're old, that that's just not dignified <laughs> anymore. And I feel I have to do material that's true about my life, especially now I'm much older. And um, so I feel that almost like I'm finding my finding my feet, uh, finding my you know good fit now. Yeah. But I have never, especially this last year, I felt kind of very, um, very kind of true to myself and more funny than I was. I feel I've I've got back to my... I've overtaken that level of funniness that I thought I had when I was in my 30s. Right. I mean, it's a different kind of funny you're making, right? Because I think when you started out, you were quite kind of surreal, kind of strange. Yeah, and I did. Yeah, and also last year I worked with John Gordillo. He helped me write my new show and... I think I thought, comedy critics have always said that I I've, 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 I take too long to say things, with my like I am now, <laughs> to get to my punchline. And so I was trying to contract those sentences shorter and shorter. John Cordillis said, no, 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 the reason you're fluffing everything and you're waffling is because what you need to say... Needs to be said in a much more detailed way. So he got me to expand my jokes, and to, and and if I, in the, as I was writing my show, I'd say something funny. He'd say, "Is that true?" And I go, "Well, no, and he'd go, it's out. It goes." Wow. So um, I had to lose a lot of stuff for this show, um, but I take it, it's so relaxing because things don't have to be funny, and I can take my time. Right. I'm not trying to kind of telegraph it into right. telescope it is that the wrong word both of those could work yeah into so I'm not going dee 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 anymore and I'm taking lots of time and having quite fun with pretending to be emotional or you know to be dark and then kind of going somewhere else and when I was in New Zealand I was I was quite able to stop the show and say say you know we say quite serious things and then afterwards all the audience wanted a hug oh
1: so well had, that's yeah, good I mean that's to nice wait outside
0: and they all come for a hug well, that's. I mean, that's yeah. that's
1: well, that's the kind of comedy yeah. I like. And what yeah. I like. Yeah. Um, and and so your new show is. I mean, it's about you talking to past versions of you. Yeah. Right?
0: It's what would happen if you met your younger selves, and it came from. Um, it developed from I, I was 60 last year i'm not 61 yet but it's not far <laughs> and um, i went to on a weekend with the girls from my convent boarding school five of us together and i just had this idea uh, afterwards i it, it, very quickly we all reverted to like our, our younger selves in all the power the the status the status difference between us you know there was one who was really bossy you know, took us on some long walk in the wrong direction, and nobody dared say, even though we knew it was the wrong direction, because she'd reimposed that posse status. Right. And I began to think about that, uh. about how we, who are we, and just because we're alive in this minute and this is the moment we're in, are we more real <laughs> than we were before, or more authentic? Mm. You know, are we the? Is it just whoever you are now is who you are, or are the before you as more you?
1: i mean that's hard to say <laughs> i mean it 's a strange thing i mean i I often think about talking to my past selves um and i i guess the first the first podcast I did on my own before this uh was with two people I knew from school, yeah and i didn 't like that podcast partly because i didn 't like who I became when I was with my f- friends oh. from school because mm-hmm. we were we were like it, I would like. To, I'd love to go back to my 15 year old self and give him a hug. But mm. I don't want to spend too much time with him.
0: He might not want to hug you. That's <laughs> no, he definitely thing. wouldn't. Yeah. He definitely
1: wouldn't. He would not like yeah, me he at done? all. Yeah. He, you know, there's n- a number of things that that, that guy would dis- disapprove of me uh, for. Um, whereas I don't feel that way about him because I, I'm older. Yeah. I, I get. I get what I. You know. I can. There are things I might judge about him. Yeah. But I know that underneath, mm. he needs a hug. Um, but you're right. He wouldn't accept it.
0: And I thought, <laughs> as I, I, I thought, you know, if I developed, I'd be giving a hug to them all, and they they'd, they'd want my advice and everything. But actually, look at my past selves. I think we're such survivors as children. We kind of know what we're doing
1: mm.
0: um, to survive or get through whatever's going on at the time. We do sort of find a path through. In a way, yeah,
1: that, absolutely. That
0: is who we are
1: now, right? But then you've got this kind of complicated thing where you learn strategies to, yeah. to, to, to get through life when you're 12 or 15 or whatever, mm. and then they don't help you out when you're 30. No. You know, that's the thing I find it's like unlearning those very understandable strategies. Yeah, that you know, and it, it helps to go, yeah, uh, I know why I ha- I know why I did that, so I'm not mm. a bad person for having mm. this quality. Mm but it's about then going, yeah, I know why I did that, but it's not working now, so time to sort of... Bunch, yeah, oh, you know, yeah. And yeah, Et cetera, et cetera, yeah.
0: Mm. Like, how many past Charmians are you thinking of? Well, we have a ten-year-old Charmian who all I wanted was a pony. And I have to explain to the audience, that's not in a sort of privileged, entitled way, because I never had one. It was more in a kind of, you know, it would be a rescue pony, very reflective of me, you know, weird, weird mane. Right. <laughs> Wrong saddle. Right. <laughs> um, and you know, it would empower me. I suppose like boys want a motorbike or something like right. that. You know, mice. I go, did. Yeah, I yeah. did. I mean,
1: uh, I conformed to that that stereotype yeah. of masculinity. Yeah. Only, only that pretty much. And but, a yeah. pony
0: is quite empowering for a girl. It was one of the few empowering things you could have. Right. Because uh, other things were, like dolls and stuff, and a pony kind of it, gave you a pack. Gave, it gave turned you into a centaur. Right. Right.
1: Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: I haven't thought of that before. No, that's nice. That that's good. <laughs> keep, keep that down. Um, and we we didn't live in London. In a way, I, was, I don't know what would have happened if I'd have had a pony. Right, I, mean, I did ride ponies. I mean, I like to think I've, I've been turned into an Olympic show jumper, but I think I was also quite scared of them. I'm probably not very good at. You know, I was too dreamy about the whole thing. But, of course, I could probably have a pony now. Right,
1: yeah, you, you know, could. could.
0: probably, you know, have it in Kent, in you know, somebody looks after it in the state. you can have a pony share yeah, with yeah, other yeah. people. Yeah. In fact, one of my Facebook friends was offering a pony share. I thought, but, you know, I'd kill myself. I, you know, I'd fall off and die <laughs> and would be scared. And it's not what I want anymore. Right. But I feel kind of betrayed that 10-year-old self. who would have gone how could you know that's all you could want in life right you know, is a pony
1: and and yeah that's that's really inter- i mean that's really true i think mm. like everything i think of that i really wanted... i mean they in some ways i do have the same hopes of as i i did as, uh, as a child I, I guess in that i want to be a creative in some way mm-hmm. and I want recognition for that yeah. although even that's changed I don't mm. want to be famous anymore no I want to be like be a hassle yeah exactly I want to be like yeah I want to be niche I want yeah, people, yeah. people people who like what I do to know me but I don't want to be recognized yeah, in yeah, the street yeah. um that's that's the, that's an interesting thing like whereas when I was 15 I reckon I wanted to, you know I wanted to be a rock star I yeah. wanted everybody in the world to to know me don't know why. I didn't have much to well, say think, at that time. I
0: think if you're a rock star and you're really famous, you could then really get off with the people you've been fancying. That's who true. Were rock stars
1: at the time. That's that's part of it, yeah. I'm sure. But the, I mean, it's not just about that. It's about being seen. And I also I think when I think about rock stars and I, when I was a teenager, I think one of the appeals must have been that it feels it felt like when I was a teenager that if you became successful as a rock star. Um, you would be kind of potentially a tr- like. It's not. A, it's not about getting off with people. It's about uh, I didn't. I felt ugly, and yeah. I, I knew that you could be ugly as a rock star you and be sexy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Leonard Cohen. Yeah. You know the yeah. the, the, the you know
0: the, like transcend yeah, it all.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that was part of it. I wanted to be loved. I guess I wanted to be yeah. considered to be uh, a valid human being, and those were the kind of ways to to get it as far as I could see then and I guess people have that with like could, and, football or and whatever and, and also as a novelist right right so. novels too yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah if you if you've got some other skill
0: it's, in, it's that people can put design put what you yeah. think of the core of yourself because I think a lot of it's thinking oh you know I feel really undeliberate people if people saw the real me if right. they could see the real me they found that really beautiful so yes. you encapsulate that you project it and that is your rock star self. Yeah, I mean, and the thing. On your terms. I
1: mean, the sad thing is, it's not true. Like, yeah. when, you know, when you do show your real self to everybody, they don't love you. No. You know, that's <laughs> you the thing. Weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Weirdo. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's uh, very much how it went. Um, so, so 10 year old, you wanted a pony. Yeah. What about the other show? And I mean? probably
0: wanted a united family life. Right,
1: of course. Yeah. My 14 year old self wanted to be fancied.
0: Right. Wanted to be cool. And I was. I've always had a problem with being cool, even when I've tried to be cool. My own you know, my, my only kind of like terrible experiences on things like cocaine, which is so everyone's been so cool, it's me going, Oh, look at me, everybody. Oh, look again. <laughs> and everybody <laughs> having to remove themselves. <laughs> right. Um right. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I'm really uncool. So my fourteen year old self would have wanted All that, and was prepared to maybe ditch the other things I'd wanted at 10 because they would jeopardise the things I wanted at 14. Right. My 23-year-old self wanted a job. Right. In a job that would kind of make would give me status right a proper job yeah, being a proper st- adult yeah, and yeah. also wanted I wanted an ideological kind of world that I didn't even really believe in it was just so that I had the right kind of friends <laughs> um, I wanted right. to be very right on
1: right so you wanted a proper job and be a productive member of society, yeah. but you also wanted to be uh, a utopia where, yeah. like you know, uh, that, yeah. uh, that that productive society was abolished.
0: <laughs> and to li- to live in a, live like live in a squat, but one right. which was aesthetically very pleasing, a comfortable, squat, <laughs> yeah, yes. the right kind of furniture, <laughs> right. and that no one would ever get me out of. But actually, right. it'd be a bit like owning a house, but right. for
1: free. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm quite pro free houses. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it's just a, definitely a contradiction in your two kind of dream yeah, versions yeah. there. And I guess, and so you, you don't want a pony now? Do you? you don't want to be cool now? Yeah. No. No. Well, I mean, understand? <laughs> I, I I have a very kind of complicated relationship with cool as well. I mean, and you don't? Do you? you don't want a proper job now?
0: No, but I quite fancy doing something. I wouldn't mind a kind of unproper job. Right, um, an improper job. Right, maybe the one I had. I mean, the idea of being running around between the embassies and have, I think it was a scream. Right. I'd have a lot more fun, I'd have a lot more enjoyment out of it now. Right. If I did something like that. Right, so you want to
1: go back and do the kind of weird day job properly, appreciating that it was a good, weird
0: day job. But I remember there was so much that job. There was so much bullying, and now I look back, there was so much bullying in it because, again, there were all different statuses in the office and hierarchies, and because I was the messenger and I had a degree, and it was kind of quite a free spirit. I think there were a lot of, lot of people had chips on their shoulders about people, you know, people who had been to university, you know, they had to be humiliated. I didn't even know how to be, you know, so I was able to transcend that. Right. But I think people will try and make it as difficult as possible.
1: It's kind of like a superpower not being able to be humiliated. Yeah, I, it is. I, I, I have a little bit of it. I was quite, I have had quite humiliating experiences at yeah. school, but I guess I've been, that's kind of like inoculated me now.
0: What kind of, uh, what was your education then?
1: Oh, uh, well, I moved about quite a lot. Um, because my mum moved and changed work so I kind of have a little bit experience uh, of that of like going to, to different schools in different parts of the country um, school was fine in, primary, in the primary schools uh, but uh, the second of my secondary schools I was kind of very severely bullied for the entire time I was there to the point where you know I was the kid with the nickname that everyone knew that mm. kid the kid who like you know everyone that's why I always think about it like uh, the, a lot of the bullying I experienced wasn't even wouldn't have even passed through someone's head as bullying because no. it's just like oh there's that kid let's shout their nickname yeah, yeah. Um, and like that was just part of someone's day it's just yeah. when you see that kid you shout yeah, them, yeah, yeah. and it's just like that's fine if you're one individual but when it's an entire school doing yeah, yeah. it like it's like Water torture or whatever, like every drip, 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 and it wouldn't it.
0: be seen as anything, right? No, but, and and Even people like definitely the
1: wouldn't. Teachers. Yeah, and well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the teachers were definitely. Well, I mean, I they I would, started it. Well, I'd be less fair, <laughs> you know. I think a lot of the teachers were 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 very much kind of c- um, contributory factors yeah. to my bullying experience. Some of them weren't, though. Some of them were lovely, and you know, some teachers saved my life. Whatever, mm. you know. So I'm not mm. I'm not saying not not all teachers, um, but uh, you know, it was a it was. Yeah, it was a weird experience because I guess unlike your your report, like I was like everyone. Like, I was, I guess, a great, a, you a know, clever a stra- boy, straight A student, yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of fine uh, up until I was bullied. And then when I was bullied, it kind of it's a double edged sword. It meant that a lot of things like that I did, a blind eye was turned to. Like if I didn't go into lessons, no one cared because mm. I still got the grades at the mm. end of it. But, but it definitely meant that. That was a big part of why I was bullied, I guess. And that, so, so you were,
0: avoiding, were you avoiding going in?
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't go to school in year 11 very much at all. Wow. I mean, I went into <laughs> the first register in the morning because I, I have... a, a a bad habit of being quite law-abiding yeah. so I would make sure that I yeah. was not getting my mum into trouble, whereas when my sister went six years later to school she had a very different kind of, of, of troubled times, which I won't go into because they're her stories, but, but she didn't go to the registration and then the police came round and there was all mm-hmm. of that kind of problem, whereas my mum was a social worker so I knew that the worst thing would be to get the police come round I think my sister also knew that she just uh, had a different view on how my mum should experience life, and she was quite happy for her to have some trouble. And did your mum Know that you've been bullied at school? Well, I didn't tell either of my parents, interestingly, and uh, my, my dad feels very bad about that because he would have done something about it. And you know, I, I didn't want to tell him, yeah, uh, but also I was having my you know, I didn't tell my mum, partly because my home life was really shitty, yeah, um, and so I didn't want that extra complexity. I think I did, I told them a bit, but yeah, there's. There's telling and there's telling, isn't there? And I didn't really tell them. So they've both been, been, you know, surprised by it a little bit in later life.
0: I told my mum when I went to the... She went to a new primary school in London. when We moved to London. So I was probably about nine, going into maybe ten, ten. So I was, I was probably only there for about two years. And um, so I said, well, woo i have been bullied and she said, oh. I said, well, maybe you should try and be a nice person. Right. just Which wasn't in, just wasn't interested. But I told a teacher and she said, Oh, I don't want to hear don't tell tales. So I had to take my own action. And um, so I formed a... I found the other people who were being bullied. We got together. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I approve <laughs> of that. We, we formed a kind of... Um, a consortium, but... It was really good, because we didn't really have to do very much, we just had to resist. Right. And then when I went into my first secondary school, the one that wasn't very nice, it was very, very academic, that I left to go to the boarding school, um, the main instigator was at that school, and she didn't know anyone else, so she had to kind of make friends with me. And then we had we had a friendship for quite a few years that was very kind of like, uh, very, I felt, you know, I, I was quite... I wasn't physically scared of her, but she was, you know, so cool and all that kind of thing. And my, my, um, my mother forbade the relationship after she found the girl had sent pornographic notes to me with diagrams of her boyfriend's knob, which <laughs> was about 15. <laughs> and I was so relieved. I was just so relieved. Right, because you've got that, an excuse yeah. to not be friends. Yeah. yeah. We're was still it? Facebook friends. <laughs> and so was that was, was that primary school you were? Yeah, that was at, my yeah. primary convent school. Right in in uh, in the Boltons in South Kensington that was called Virgo Fidelis, and it was in, it it occupied the premises where shelter used to be for years cool. after that shelter took it over. Um, but I'd been to school. My first primary school, I had quite good reports saying, you know, that I was interested in this, that, the other, and I think it was just I had so much to deal with. You go into a new environment, right. everybody's horrible to you. You don't know the rules, um, you know, the, the kind of the social rules. The whole curriculum's totally different. And, and also, I think that, um, you know, when I had my 40% deafness diagnosed, which was only when I was 40, um, the, the hearing people said, you've had this all your life. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's I think that I always felt like I was on the edge of a conversation and wasn't absolutely sure what was going on. So I think there was a lot of that. Right, out. that's
1: really interesting.
0: Yeah. And so, sort of overcompensated by I in my reports it said I was all disruptive and everything but not in a kind of, you know, violent comprehensive boy kind of way, <laughs> <laughs> but more kind of like Actually, quite an A-H-D-H way, which I suppose what I did the online questionnaire recently scored ADHD. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that's an interesting thing. I mean, like you know, because we didn't have diagnoses about Mm. these things in the past, but obviously these things existed. I mean, my my mum was. Is probably dyslexic. Everything that she's done and that would suggest that. But obviously, when she was at school, they didn't really know about that, mm. so she was just told she was stupid. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's and that's that's lived with her all of her life. Yeah. Whereas somebody who gets a diagnosis of dyslexia um, can can cannot think of themselves as stupid if they you know yeah. if they have the, the you know you still need the, the uh, school to not be bullying you. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but if you don't have bullying, yeah. then you can, then you can you know you can think mm. of yourself in a different way, and maybe you would. Have thought of yourself yeah, in a different yeah. way. Certainly, if you'd have been diagnosed with having a hearing impairment, yeah. that would have really helped you because to know couldn't that.
0: Follow things that would de- also things were just you know mm. I was so far behind. If I missed something with maths or something, I mean I'm quite good at my, I'm quite good at I do my own tax forms and everything. I'm not bad. at The ones I can actually think. Well, if you know a method of something, it's not that hard. So why was it so hard? Right. Was it was really hard and it was hard because i didn't know what it was it was i didn't know what i was meant to be doing right. and i think that's such a frightening thing you don't know what you're meant to be doing so the thing is is to actually distract from that as quickly as possible if you have no idea what you're meant to be doing because you don't want to be the centre of a teacher's attention and you end up being the centre of attention <laughs> through your diversion tactics.
1: Yeah, right, but at least you're kind of doing it on your terms then yeah, as well. That's yeah. part of it, isn't it? If you don't understand it, then if you remake it in a different mm. way, then, you know, you're not you're not fo- you're not trying to do that. You're and doing also, a different thing.
0: Also, teacher nowadays would go, what's going on? Right. What's going on? A good teacher. A good teacher. Yeah. Or school would go, what's going yeah,
1: on? Yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: yeah I, so.
1: I mean there's definitely been a change in how we how we think of these things mm. i mean i don't know like what school is like now like i I'm so used to thinking of my school as being recent, but now it, you know it's not oh, yeah. it's, it's it's been it's been a while yeah. I've been longer out of school than in you know yeah um, that's,
0: that's i think that's a very uh dramatic change in your life when all yeah. when when you suddenly feel you've been out of university much much longer than all the years before that.
1: Right, but then at the same time, I'm very surprised by how much my life still is kind of affected by my school experience, mm. even though I've been out of it longer. Like, I was uh, recently got an, a nomination for the British Podcast Awards, and as soon as I got that, I was remembering, a, you know, a really traumatic experience mm. that I had, like, on stage at school, like, yeah. with everyone jeering at me. You know, that's, that's not what you... Oh. yeah. But so you I just, feel
0: like a vigilante when I hear things like
1: that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted.
1: Sounds but, like you were. If you got your kind of like anti-bullying do, league.
0: If I, if I notice that, I often do interfere in things <laughs> because I can't. I, it makes me so angry. It makes me really angry. Mm-hmm. And I think about school. I think. I think about the school of the sixth form went I think about it every day.
1: Right. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's such. It's going to have such potentially yeah. it's such a kind of permanent effect mm. on people and uh, often we don't really you know and, and that's understandable too I think like when I think of my parents like I didn't tell them a lot of the information yeah. so they didn't have it but also they had their own complexities going on in their yeah, lives yeah. and like I'm not saying they didn't like I'm not saying my mum and my stepdad's kind of really disruptive and terrible marriage didn't also give me a lot of problems yeah. that I also remember yeah um but you know they had that as a distraction yeah. what you know we think of parents sometimes as kids as like being like gods, but they're not. I mean, no, they're, they're um, like the Greek gods. It's like They're completely My mum was reckless. totally distracted
0: <laughs> I wasn't interested. And in most of her thing was why I got bullied to start off. Right. With. You know, you know, right. She'd forget this. She'd forget to give me my lunch. You know, it was all a huge thing. You right. know, I haven't got the right equipment. If I haven't got the right equipment in my science class when I'm nine or right. eight... <laughs> You know well, whose fault is that? Right. Oh, I'm the other way. My son's eighteen now, but you know, I'm, I was always like, "Is everything okay?" <laughs> <laughs> and they find that really oppressive. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, he's got into you know loads of scrapes, and he went. I once I felt so proactive. I wanted to be so not like my own mother that um, there was a whole thing at at his school. Well he seemed to be drawn into something that could have been quite bad, but quite innocently drawn into something. But I thought the fact that I'd found out and extricated him, himself might get him actually sort of persecuted and in trouble. And I used to really I drove to his school to hang around the school gates. He's in secondary school <laughs> every day for about two months. And in the back of the car <laughs> I just had well, you know, I just thought if there's trouble, I can handle it. <laughs> my, let's just say, I used to do Indian club swinging. Right. <laughs> it's just, I just thought, just so that, that you know, if I stand there going, you know, I'm here for my boy, they know not to mess around. I mean, <laughs> it's funny, I, before we had
1: this conversation, I didn't know how much of you was like Batman, you know, <laughs> like, there's, just, there's, there's
0: definitely that. this I kind of, that superhero yeah, thing.
1: vigilante streak, certainly. Just, I think it's just so, <laughs> I
0: think you're a child, you're so, you know, you are so helpless and that's why I think you know we were saying I was saying earlier about how such survivors, because the kind of thing that you know bully child or whatever goes through as an adult, I couldn't withstand that. So yeah. I would be, I'd be completely broken by that. The children they go out there and they take it. Right, you're much into, more
1: resilient. They
0: go into a crowd yeah. of you know of hostile people.
1: Yeah, and yeah. it's funny, isn't it? Like, I think that as well. Like, like the fact that I was bullied during my teens does not mean that I did not also have good times. Yeah. And, you know, I've been... I was watching a programme the other day that was talking about kind of the teenage mind being kind of more inclined towards pleasure. Like, pleasure is... Uh, pleasure is even more pleasurable yeah. when you're a teenager, which is a bit annoying because you don't know how to appreciate yeah. you know, You don't know how to do it properly, yeah. pleasure, generally, whatever kind of pleasure it is. um, But... Like so I did have that I had the increased pleasure uh, through those years too and those also are things that I go back to Mm. but like I had the ability to be have something that's going to have an experience that will traumatise me for the rest of my life Mm. but at the same time in that moment go out somewhere else afterwards and have a great time
0: so have you had an have you, do you think you know, it will traumatise you
1: for the rest of your life? Well, maybe. I mean, it's, it's traumatised me up till now.
0: Can you never say never. It turn it into something well, else. Well, I have.
1: I've made it into a lot yeah. of art. Like, yeah. I, in in many ways, it's it's my you know it's material that is working yeah. for me. So actually, that's that's a that's another thing that when you make art, you get to try tra- you know kind of al- do alchemy to do this yeah. stuff that that, that, that's, like, that's, that that is definitely something I I, I appreciate and also storytelling, you retell your story and you tell it, yeah. you have complete control and you can retell it mm. you know, you don't necessarily I don't make myself the hero in this story necessarily but I, 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 get, to, I get to set the boundaries yeah. I get to, to, and I think that's a, a lot of the reason why a lot of people make art or te- mm. do comedy or like do, do true storytelling, it's to it's to yeah, make sense and, 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 and take, take back the control yeah. you know, it's, it's a, you know, I guess our art, artists are a little bit like vigilantes, yeah. uh, but with that, with less violence think, <laughs> and more I writing. I think so. Yeah, you've <laughs>
0: got, in a way, you're. Because you you say you haven't had counselling. Have um,
1: I've been off and on. Yeah. Like I've tried to get counselling. I'm, I'm yeah. currently uh, waiting till I find the right counsellor. Yeah. Uh, I've got an, actually an appointment, a, a, another appointment with the NHS
0: uh, this week. So we'll see how yeah. that goes. But I doubt it will go that well. Because I, I had a therapist. i <laughs> I paid for my therapist. Right. And she, I was with her for about a year, but she sort of. Um, she took yeah, she she took my inner child, I'd never look back at it, for a walk she was like the adult vigilante who stood with me next to me in all those situations. Yeah. Um I thought it was totally amazing. I just as soon as I kind of under it felt like it unlocked something for me. More than that it was like having a, a missing bit of equipment. a Small bit that yeah. was essential. Oh wow. Um to kind of change my perspective on everything but um, she was totally amazing and I still think she's amazing but after that she stopped being a psychotherapist and she became a puppeteer and she believes in, um that the aliens created a healing machine that was stolen by the Nazis oh, wow. and she's now a UKIP mayor of Ramsgate wow. but I still, you know, she's an amazing person what her beliefs have led her there <laughs> and I can, you no, know, she was an amazing person yeah um I mean, it's complicated, that, it isn't is it, It is really life. complicated. It's just, it's like, so it's just complicated, her, like perspective, her perspective. You know, it's probably to do with you know, the Martians or something. But yeah. also, I think it was... <laughs> for me, the, the huge breakthrough for me was... You know, I wanted to become, be a better person who could... You know, I was always trying to please people, and I always felt terribly full of huge shame and self-consciousness yeah. that people found out what an awful person I was. And so when I, the first thing i said to my therapist was, you know, just this awful person in my family, you know, they tried to do so much to bring me into the world. And she, she said, she said they are a bunch of shits. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's when she began to overstep her professional heart. Right. She's just going, you know, you are, you're the only normal person in your family, and that's why you're getting all this stuff, because you're the person who's going to kind of you know tell on them
1: but that's the yeah. complicated thing in it about having a complicated family is that you don't have any other families to compare don't, them to yeah. and then when you do start to compare yeah. them then you, you know you still
0: can't well, see
1: it. well also the reality is that everyone's family is weird yeah. so so when you yeah. see other families that are weird you're then trying to judge your family by yeah. a weird family's and, and
0: <laughs> if you're the person who's not functioning in your family I'm like my my family are quite clamorous and they all thought they were very arty and everything and I sort of became the sort of you know, really sour. <laughs> because my whole person of who I am was being just squeezed. Right. And sort of not allowed, because that was the wrong kind of personality. I mean, the, my family find it quite difficult now that... I mean, that I am... I've ended up being the creative person. Right, I was going to say, you know, yeah. And in my middle age, I'm still doing it. And I have that kind of... And my family also had huge... I mean, sexism isn't even doesn't even begin to describe it, because they were still quite Edwardian. Right. And the girls, the other girls, were very damaged by the idea, really, the idea that, you know, all your um, achievements, everything is going to be through your marriage and who you marry, and they became obsessed about who you marry is going to define you. Because right. they're eight years older than me and my sisters. One of my sisters, she made a, you know, she married a terrible kind of loser-type person, and she ended up in terrible, you know, her whole life was kind of, she, she never stopped believing mm. that the right relationship would rescue her. Mm, that's um, sad. You know, they still and they still think it. Uh, my surviving sister, I'm sure she thinks. You know, she's a comedian. I'm sure that means you know she's a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> or, you know, must be that poor. They that call my... You know, David Marswell. The poor David. Right. Poor David. Oh, poor David. You know, I mean, you know, the, the, I mean, and, you know and, there's,
1: and there's not, there's nothing wrong with being being a lesbian, but at yeah. the same time, like, uh, as as a woman who has, I guess, had, you currently have short hair, oh. you get, you you probably yeah. have had, and it sounds like you're getting that at home yeah. as a child. I mean, it's yeah. a strange thing. Like, I had a lot of my bullying at school was people thinking that I was. Uh, gay, you know, yeah. um, and it's a weird thing for people to be judging you on a thing that you don't think there's anything wrong with, oh. but at the same time it's not who you are and well, so you have this weird...
0: I'd say to my sister, you know, you'd be the first to know about it, you don't right. think having going around going, home am a comedian, that that's something to be terribly secretive right, about right. really, but it's such a, stra- it's such it's a strange a, yeah. thing to
1: attach to it anyway. it's about
0: dis- it's about trying to make you know, trying to make you weird and strange right, right mm.
1: Yeah, which is, I mean, you know, and you know, which is weird in itself because you know, some of the lesbians I know are the the most straight-laced people I I know who aren't very weird. You know, and you know, there are. I I also know some weird lesbians. There's there's quite a lot of variety in this life, but I mean, it's a strange. I mean, it's just. But it's also strange, like to me that you know, like you say, you are all of the things that it sounds like they kind of wanted. Like they were interested in the arts. Like the kind of you have got all of that. Um, but you've but you've also you're also very optimistic. I find yeah. you're very kind of positive, and like yeah. your comedy is positive. But also like you know one of the things you said to, to talk about on the on the kind of sheet that I get people to to to, to give me uh, topics they'd like to talk about. You said like you wanted to talk about how it's not over till the fat lady uh, sings. Uh, things can change, mm. and 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 that's like your kind of your. It's your kind of central yeah. theme, right? It's your central yeah. message.
0: I think it's uh, I think it's really important to know that there's another thing, you know, about the way that we see time, the way we see age, it's just ridiculous. And as long as you can be, you know, you're not... You know, if you've got some kind of mobility, physical mobility. Right. Thing. Um, but even now, I don't know, I'm just... That, that, that there's nothing... I don't mean there's nothing to stop you, but it's like a lot of people get stuck thinking it's all over or regretting their youth... I think before I had my therapy, one thing is... I also did... Have you done The Artist's Way? Uh, I haven't, By no know a lot of, yeah. sort of I might say that was as good a therapy as any, really. Um, but it's hard to do it all in one go. I think I only did it about the third time. I think before I became the performer, I was what The Artist's Way calls a shadow artist, which means you're somebody who wants to be an artist but you you 're postponing it because the the principle of the artist 's way is that you just have to don 't set time apart you, you know, to do your artistic thing. you should just do it wherever whatever right. minutes you should just be open to creativity all the time but if you 're a shadow artist you're you 're suppressing that and um, you 're very jealous of of um, people who are artists, and it was awful i mean i if I met somebody who, who was writing a novel or something, I, was, I felt positively toxic right. towards them. And I don't think I was ever asked to give any feedback. But It, it chills my heart to think that if I had, it would probably been really negative about something maybe I really liked. Right. Well, I hope it wouldn't have been. Right. I think maybe because I was so jealous and I wanted them not to be doing it. I wanted to kill other people's art right. because I wasn't doing it myself. Right. And when I went to clown school at the City Lit. All the other people went off, half of them went off to join Jerry Cossel Circus, his first circus school. And I was so broke, I wanted something terrible to happen so that that circus school couldn't happen. I had to change my thinking, thinking, that's not what I should be thinking. Right. Uh, That for me, that was the kind of the watershed moment. I shouldn't be wanting them not to be creative. I should just be having the guts to do that myself. Right.
1: Yeah, and and, and and I guess that's like part of your narrative, part of your experience, is that you know you can, like you you say you're finding your feet now, yeah, and you're you know as you say as you said earlier on, so I'm like you're 60 now, uh, which is like a an, an unusual time to hear <laughs> that someone's finding their feet or yeah. their voice or finding a, a, a kind of slotting into place. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, of course, like people don't think about how many second chances third chances fourth chances uh, you know and I guess that is something that I've I've, I don't know I'm an artist and so I've always felt like I've should have succeeded already. Yeah. you know, that thing. And certainly, you can't be the same kind of rock star in your forties that you can in your, in your in your kind of late teens. C sixteen. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying. Yeah, that's what I mean. there, there is still options, yeah. but they're not going to be the same options. Yeah. Kind of like how you don't buy, you wouldn't buy a pony now, but you know, you still got stuff to to, yeah. to, to to say. My dad was 58 when I was born, so I've wow. always had the image of a uh, kind of age as being. You know, I mean. You know, he's kind of a hero of mine in lots of ways. And in lots of ways, he brought us up. Like, he actually, like, was the one who did the domestic chores yeah. and all of those sorts of things. And, and you know, because he had the time, because he was retired. And and everyone who has ever met him until recently, because now he's 93 and he's got mobility issues and dementia yeah. and all yeah. sorts of things. But up until kind of, you know, mid, mid-80s, mid mm-hmm. like, everybody who ever met him would never believe his age. You know, they would always mm-hmm. think he was a, re- much, much younger. And I think that's just because we have weird associations yeah. with age um and so i've always kind of been very aware that age is is is, is not something to kind of give up on that said you know my dad is ninety three and he's always been trying to become a published novelist and has never oh. succeeded. So I also have had. Well, he does. He, yeah, he, yeah, he self-publishes. That you know, he's been self-publishing for for decades. He's he, he used to have a um, like a, a machine to punch the uh, like the spiral. He had a spiral oh. binder machine for for a while. Now he uses Lulu, so he gets his kind of self-published online now. Um, but yeah, so he, he he does in some ways, but it's not the kind of recognition he would want. Mm. I mean he was a documentary filmmaker too and actually in his later later years the BFI suddenly became interested in the stuff that he was making so he has had some eventual some mm. kind of I get, a guess, critical or public or historical recognition. Mm -hmm. But I've also been aware that you can live your whole life and not achieve your dreams, as well as you can can be vibrant and amazing at any age.
0: Or not have any dreams. Right, right, exactly, exactly. When I, I had a holiday job once, where I worked for the Treasury Solicitor. Um, and I was in the clerical department in the basement. run what I thought were these really old ladies. Oh, I now realise we're about 32. Right,
1: it's so weird when you think that, And isn't I, remember it?
0: When she, I remember it was August, <laughs> and one, one came in really pleased with herself, and she said, I've done all my Christmas shopping. Won't have that to work ra- in August. And that was kind of like...
1: that's all right, you know. It was like... uh, I used to find that sad when I I met those people, but I don't... And now I
0: think it's quite good. Yeah, (laughs) I know, now I'm jealous, I think, like a
1: little bit jealous of that. And I I think it's always, like, people, like, often... I find people in the arts don't believe those people exist. Like, people are always like, no, 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 there must be something deep down underneath. They
0: had all the power,
1: though.
0: Right. You know, they wouldn't let the solicitors have their mail, unless they had the right stapler. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you know. But they were, it was kind of like... uh, Oh, it sounds—it sounded sound like, that sounded really kind of snobby of me about that. I can't. What it was was everybody had their—they were—it was like labyrinth. It was like an underground labyrinth, burrow, and it. Yeah, I was probably wrong. Actually, that's probably my twenty-two-year-old self judging. That that's situation. another interesting thing yeah. that
1: happens. I find that that happens all the time. Mm. I, I, I I slot into yeah what I would have said at the time about someone, and then yeah. I'm like, hang on, now. Like there was a there was a, a guy at university I hated. Mm. I, he was on the same course as me, and I hated him. Um, and now. I don't hate him at all, and I, I really like him actually. Um, but th- but the whole time I hated him, it's just because he was the other person who spoke, and he was the one who got good. He yeah. got good grades, and I didn't at uni uh, in, d- in a different way. Like I I got like a a note once saying you know he either wants to get a first or to be completely failed. So we'll give him a mediocre mark to teach him a lesson. That's the kind of what I was like at uni. But 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 i was, i hated this guy and i, I realized now it was just complete jealousy yeah. it was just about like i used to kind of be like oh he you know he he decides to do write about politics because it's trendy it's on mm. it's trendy now whereas i'm genuine i care about politics yeah there's
0: politics. like there's only, one one. Yeah, exactly. there's only room for one yeah exactly and he's a really nice guy and i feel so ashamed of yeah. this kind
1: of attitude oh, I, I had
0: I thought, I thought, what right have they got to write an essay get an a++ or whatever right. alpha over writing about W. B. that's mine. Right, he's mine. And it's, uh, I think it's another side effect
1: of being bullied at school as well. When I went to university, I was like, "I am going to be me. I yeah. am going to be. Yeah. No one's going to stop me now." And it just made me an arrogant dickhead for what, quite what, a while. What did you study? Uh, Theatre studies and creative writing. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And where was that? Uh, that was at Lancaster University. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so it was a campus university. So it was an interesting experience. Really? But like, like. You know that's the thing. Like uh, I look back at me then, and all of my jealous, all of the people I didn't like, or I was suspicious of, or whatever. Now I see how wrong I was. Me you know? too. Yeah, you know, and that, this yeah,
0: is, uh, that was a sort su- of suspicious. Yeah, right. everybody with the theatre. People, people, Normally, doing performing. if I didn't like someone, it'd
1: be because they were attractive uh, and they were a man, and I felt like I wasn't attractive, and so I wanted to yeah. sort of like make them into sort of like almost. It's almost like I I, I thought of attractive people as like you're you're like this, you know, deliberately. Yeah. Like, you're, you know, there's something ingenuine about you. You you know, your face is is, is a a lie. And it's not, it's not. You know, it's just some people have faces that some people... And also, that's the other thing. Now, I don't even value the idea of uh, kind of, Attractiveness being an objective, like mm. that person's attractive, that person—that's is, that, that's bullshit. Mm. Mm. Um, but I didn't know it then.
0: Yeah, that, so, that's just adolesc- late adolescence. Uh, you know, we're adolescents right. till we're twenty-eight. Well,
1: that's right, and that's another thing. I, I, you know, me and my partner got together when I was nineteen and she was eighteen, right? Uh, and so its, it's it, it, now we are now we rem- now we know that we were still oh, growing up yeah. when we started our relationship. Like we yeah. look back at who we were when we got together, and we've got witness. Uh, you know, witnesses to each other's kind of how childlike we were in some yeah. ways. Then, and, and, uh, you know, if but if you'd have said to me when I was nineteen, that I was still growing up and I wasn't fully mature yet, I yeah. would be like, I would not have, I would not taken, I would not have been very good on that no. that one. I would have been, uh, yeah, everything I don't like about myself, uh, I would have exhibited in that moment. How old are you now? <laughs> I am thirty five. Wow, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Time flies. In fact, time 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 flies so much. We we should probably be wrapping yeah. up this conversation. It's been a real pleasure uh, getting oh. better acquainted with you. And like I say, like I now have this new image of you as like a, a, a vigilante. <laughs> but the last question I ask everybody is, do you have anything to plug?
0: Oh, <laughs> well, I have. I'm doing my show, Charmaine Hughes, Soissons Mere, <laughs> which is the one where I revisit my past selves and ask, what would you say to your younger self? Would they approve of you? I'm doing it at the Brighton Fringe on the 7th, 8th, 14th and 15th of May at 20 past 8 at the Blue Man. And I'm also at the Edinburgh Fringe at 2.25 at Stand 4 for the whole of August, I expect. (laughs) Buxton Fringe as well. I think that's the 20th and the 21st of July. Very late at night, 10.30 or something. But it's in. if you live in Buxton, um, <laughs> you'll know when it is. Very beautiful place.
1: And, so this is, and this is a show you've done before and now you're redoing,
0: is Yeah, it? I, I started it actually at Buxton last year. That's where it previewed. And it was then nominated for the Comedy Award. Ooh. <laughs> and then I went to uh, Cowgate Head at, um, in Edinburgh and did it. And then it just it just developed and developed and developed. And then I did it a bit more. And then I thought, I can't just keep going back to Edinburgh with a new show before I've kind of even taken this anywhere or explored properly the ideas. Right. And then I took it to New Zealand where they loved it and where they were a very cerebral, serious kind of audience. I could really play it out. And then I thought, um, if I go to Edinburgh, I want to take this show... I don't want to go somewhere where I feel a bit, you know, nurtured yeah. and cared for. Well, it looked
1: like you were having a brilliant time in in New Zealand. Yeah, I was like, well jealous of that. Like, <laughs> not in a, not in the my old school jealousy way. Yeah. Like now, now when I'm jealous of things, I don't hate the people yeah. I'm jealous of. But
0: yeah, like, and it looks like yeah. I guess that's it's a great title for a book. <laughs> now when I'm jealous, I don't hate the people I'm jealous it of. It is actually that's yeah. all an anthology. That's a great that's title. good. That's yeah, well, yeah, good. Yeah, we've both got we've both yeah. got a phrase out of this Central. conversation, <laughs> right? Might be a great I mean, Hughes centaur. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, and it's funny, like like what you say as well. Like, I think a lot of people have that experience in in uh, Edinburgh. There's this idea that you do your show, and then the next year you've got to do a new show. Yeah. But actually, by the end of Edinburgh, the show's changed from the one you began yeah. with, and yeah. actually the one you ended yeah. with might yeah. be the one you wish you'd brought.
0: And 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 that's <laughs> the time to kind of tour it, and, right? And, uh, I think it's just finding the right right thing i think this one has just got you know a long way to go
1: well yeah i mean well it's, it's about a number of different versions yeah, of yourself and i yeah. guess in that respect there'll always be new music material yeah, always be yeah. new observations that you have um so yeah it's been great talking to you the last great. thing i ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience
0: goodbye <laughs> audience it's been lovely to talk to you I hope you've learnt many wise things. <laughs> <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye.
1: <laughs> if you want to, you can vote for Getting Better Acquainted or my other podcast, The Family Tree, for the British Podcast Awards. There's a listener's choice option as part of those awards, and your listeners, and maybe, just maybe, you will choose me. Uh, you can do that over at the British I'm also working on series two of The Family Tree, me and my partner, Jen. Look out for more Family Tree. And if you haven't heard the first series, it's all there uh, over on the website, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, all the places that podcasts go to hang out. So you can listen to that show from the beginning. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like getting better acquainted on facebook and you can find getting better acquainted on itunes soundcloud those kind of places one thing that really helps the show if you have some time it would be for you to leave a rating and a review on itunes uh, telling people about the show and why you like it if you have money to spare and you want to support what i do then you can donate to the show via the paypal link that you can find on the soundcloud page if you want to support the family tree you can sign up to the patreon that would be so helpful because we're making the second season and so we need a budget we need to pay people and so you could help us to do that but remember there are lots of ways to get better acquainted